0: You're listening to the Gateway Franklin Church Podcast. To learn more about Gateway Franklin Church, including our service times here in Franklin, Tennessee, visit us online at gatewayfranklin.com. And now, here is this week's message. So church represents a lot of things to a lot of people. For me, church represents an environment in which to grow spiritually, People of whom to belong relationally and a purpose in which to pursue jointly. I'll leave that up there because that, that has some, um, some depth to it. I call the first one, or at least it falls under this umbrella of fresh starts. I, I, church for me is an environment where I can grow spiritually, what does that mean? It means when I can grow in relationship with God, where I can learn and understand his path, his ways, and I can incorporate them in my life because that's where life is found, all right? So for me, a church is an environment which to grow spiritually, but it's also a people to belong relationally, that I'm not going to, I am gonna be better off following Christ when I'm doing that with other people and I would be able to do if I was just doing that by myself. Now, it can be done by yourself. It's done in all kinds of contexts by people's selves, but generally in contexts where a gathering like this would be shut down. But when we gather together, you have the ability in conversation with me, you have the ability to give me a perspective on something that I don't have on my own that my life experience hasn't spoken into. And so then you're able to speak into that in me and then, then it makes, I, I, my, maybe it gets illuminated more of where I am with Christ. It, it, to ch- a church is a people to belong to relationally, right? And then there's that care side of this where um, I remember um, the first time my mom got sick and my dad, you know, they were still in New Jersey and my dad was not a church goer. And so mom, she was in the hospital for quite a while and people from our church started bringing dad food. And my dad didn't know what to do with that, right? I mean, he, honestly, he'd, they'd show up at a door and he would, I, I don't even know who you are. And they'd have him a casserole. Like, now, now that's normally a Southern thing. In, in the South, we believe food fixes everything, right? But, but this was a Northern thing. And my dad, didn't, he didn't know how to, but I will tell you that how our little church in Hightstown, New Jersey responded to my father in that crisis, made an indelible impression on him. That why would these people do that for me? It's a people to belong to, and then it's a purpose in which to pursue jointly. That we have a purpose as a church, as a body. The big C, the little C, you and me didn't even mean to make up a song, but we, <laughs> but we can we can pursue that jointly and and. The old African proverb says, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. So if we're going to go together in purpose, it's vital to know where we're going and what we value as a body. And that's why this series has taken place over these last four weeks. Um, there are plenty of really good pastors and really good churches in this area that are biblically sound and ministry rich. We've spent Years working together, ensuring that we, we know one another and we believe in one another. Um, but what makes us all different is just the environments we create, right? Because they come out of our own bents, our own ministry calls. Now, the trending term for finding a church is church shopping, right? And it's funny because it, it, it kind of always comes out in a weird way, talking to people. Um, They're almost embarrassed to say that they're church shopping, right? Because it it sounds so consumer-based. But it it can be done in a healthy way. The healthy way is you're wanting to find a place to belong, not just things to add to your life. Recently, I ran into someone out in public. They always get surprised when they see me in public, like I don't go in public. It's just kind of funny. I don't eat at restaurants, right? I don't shop anywhere. Costco, though, by the way, is where I meet most of you, um, is, is Costco. So, anyway, um, I ran into someone that I knew had visited the church. I recognized his face. He called me by name, but I had not seen him in a while. I just said, hey, have your family landed anywhere? And his response was, well, actually, yes. Told me the name of the megachurch in town that they landed at, but then he said this to me. He said, pastor, you understand. You just can't compete with something like that. And, okay, so I wasn't the only one, right? So... So so because we have spent very intentional time with like a dozen or so pastors in town, um, I was able to say, well, actually, we're not competing. And then I just finished the conversation and walked. And you can see he knew, oops, I stepped in it, right? By By phrasing it like that, but listen, you're here more than likely because you church shopped. I mean, let's be honest right? We we went looking, but it's what what are we looking for is the key, and what will we do when we find it? That's different, right, than consuming. That's the reason for the series. What is the environment of Gateway? What makes Gateway Gateway? What makes us us? Um, Understanding a church's core matters, and the reason why I preach this is for three particular reasons. One is vision leaks, Vision leaks. Over time, it's easy for the vision of any place, your family, your company, or church, over time, to just get lost in the grind of doing life. Right? So vision leaks. So how do you keep vision from leaking? You don't. You have to keep talking about vision. It has to keep pouring into you. The second reason is that mission creeps. Vision leaks and mission creeps. You may have read the seminal book, uh, by Jim Collins, uh, Good to Great. And, and in this, he maintains that good is the enemy of great, right? Because there's a lot of things a church body can do. There are a lot of places to add our resources. There are a lot of places to add our relationships. There's a lot of good places to participate in. However, if you just go do all the good then what you're honed in to do will suffer a little bit. And so you preach series around vision because mission creeps. How do we then leverage all of our resources, human and otherwise, towards this goal of Fresh Starts, Great Friends, Real Purpose? And the last reason he preaches series like this is because healthy grows. Healthy grows. Vision Vision leaks, mission creeps. And healthy growth, meaning, if we have a body of believers for the last sixteen plus years that we're trying to develop into spiritually influential people, that means spiritually influential people attract people, right? And so, spiritually influential people attract people, and healthy environments keep people. Which means then there is continual process of new people coming into our body because spiritually influential people influence people, and healthy environments keep people. So we have to then talk about stuff like we're talking about now. So I went, at the beginning parts of this series, I identified our ministry approach. Our ministry approach is that we take a shepherd ministering approach. Shepherding is going to be our ministry posture. We want to shepherd, care for people. Out of the same passage in John 10, we get our ministry target. Our ministry target Jesus, these are his words. I came so that they might find real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. This is what God wants for you and I. He wants us to have this life he describes as more and better than we could have ever dreamed of. And then I believe my core conviction is that life contains these three components of a fresh connection with Christ, a fresh connected relationship with other people, and then an understanding and a living out of our real purpose in Christ. Fresh starts, great friends, real purpose, then are the components of what this life is that God has told us is more and better than we ever dreamed of, real and eternal. So this leads to our mission to lead people to fresh starts, to great friends, and to real purpose in Christ. This then is our ministry mission. The vision then is to become more, the most spiritually influential people in place by renewing the world around us through a relationship in Christ. So that when we have these things as a part of our life and we engage with the people around us, there is where spiritual influence takes place. All right, I define spiritually influence this way. It's the impact of moving someone one step closer to Christ as a result of your connection or your interaction. How did I leave this person? How did I leave this situation? That's the questions I ask myself when I encounter people in general, but especially people who who need, I know, need the renewal of Christ in their life. How did I leave? See, it doesn't even matter how I came in contact with him. It doesn't even matter the circle in which I was in when I came in contact with him. What matters is, was there a role for me to play in this engagement? And have I played this role? Okay? So that is spiritual influence. Would you agree that the world needs renewal? Is there anyone in here that you have someone in your circle that you've encountered that you know needs the renewal of Christ? All right. And so so this is where we are, the world in which God's placed us in, and this becomes our purpose. Real purpose is always going to be about becoming before it is about doing. When we go to purpose, we usually think about doing something, okay? I agree. I'm the first one, my default, what can I do, right? You enter a situation, chaos, what can I do? But doing, the, the most influential doing will come out of the spiritual becoming, all right? And so I've written this kind of awkwardly and I tried and I tried and I tried not to write it awkwardly. Um, but you just kind of get what it is. Here it is. It's it's causes are short-lived. So around this idea of real purpose, I've said many, many, many many years that people long for a purpose, but they settle for a cause. There's something down deep they want, but the only thing they end up encountering causes, so then here's the definition for me. Causes are short-lived, doing-based band-aids to our need for identity and significance. At the core, all of us are looking for this we're looking for identity, and we're looking for significance, okay? And this is why we, we gravitate to a cause. Cause, somehow, we believe is gonna give us identity and significance, and yet, causes are short-lived, doing-based band-aids. And so then I said, causes are short-lived and doing-based. Why I said it again, I don't know, but it's on the slide, so I'll, so I'll, I'll do it. Significance is found in discovering your real purpose. Real purpose is lifelong and anchored in our identity in Christ. So real purpose doing will flow from real purpose being. Real purpose doing will flow out of real purpose being, right? We're going after purpose, something that's long lived and life giving, not causes that are short term band-aids make us feel good about something for a moment, but then leave us in the same position. Think about what culture has been peddling since the Garden of Eden in regard to identity and significance and even purpose, right? Satan will always peddle self over God. Satan will always peddle self. Like he's not going to say, serve me. He's going to say, serve yourself. He's not going to say, choose me. He's going to say, choose yourself, all right? So he's always going to pit self Against him, he's been doing it since the garden. And here's kind of how this plays out, I think, in our culture. Um, We get pressed for self-achievement. Self-achievement. That our identity and significance is going to be wrapped up in personal accomplishments. So our value becomes, we said, I am what I accomplish. So what I achieve determines my identity and value. Does that ring true with anybody? Self-achievement. Then we have self-attainment. Identity and significance is wrapped in my personal accruements. What I can gain. I am what I have. I am what I have. What I've been able to attain determines my identity and value. And then here's a unique one. Self-determination. That my identity and significance is wrapped in personal freedom and drive. I am the master of my castle. I am the master of my domain. I find my identity and value being in control of my destiny. Some of these hover, this one probably hovers a little bit under the surface, but they're the three things that Satan continues to try to sell over God. Here's the problem with a self-focused, self-centered life. It can't deliver on the identity and significance that we long for and that we were made for. Serving self will always come up empty over serving God, always. Self-achievement doesn't produce the wholeness, it just covers up our brokenness. Our identity and significance will always be haunted by our hidden brokenness if we're chasing just to fulfill it ourself. But when we are redeemed by Christ, that brokenness that we are trying to hide from everybody because if they actually knew us, we would be concerned whether they would like us or believe in us. When we're redeemed That life story of brokenness actually connects with other people experiencing the very same thing and they're trying to find a way out of that. So redemption changes those bents that were once pointed to God then get pointed back at us. Redemption points them back at God. Self-attainment doesn't produce security, but it produces a false sense of security. You haven't had to live an... Just in my life, I think I've gone through three significant market corrections where, where it looked like I had this much and the next day I had this much. And some of you have lived through more than just three market corrections. All right? And so when, 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 when our, when our, when our uh, sense of security rests in what we've been able to obtain, man, that stuff can go away like that. It's amazing. How I can talk to people that feel like geniuses when every move they make in the market wins. And then you can't find them anymore when it's not working out that way now. Right? And it's because the, the, the energy went to this is what I'm doing. And I'm not saying that everybody's done this, but my point you realize is when, when, when we're making decisions that are winning, we feel like we're the winners. Right? I'd like to, I, I personally, I think I need a little bit more consistency in my life. Right? So, so I remember early on in Gateway's life, I was calling my pastor who moved here and I kept telling him all the cool things that were happening. I mean, I, I know after a while, he didn't want to take my call anymore, right? Because I mean, just stuff after stuff after stuff was going on. And I'm saying, hey man, this is so cool, this school. And then one day something devastating happened. I mean, it was probably the most significant leadership challenge that I've ever been through, even now. And it blindsided me. And I felt like I should have seen it coming. And I remember calling to cry on his shoulder. And he wasn't a cry on the shoulder kind of person. And he said to me, he said, I got good news for you and I got bad news for you. He said, you know, all that good stuff you've been calling me about. I said, yeah. He said, I got bad news. That wasn't all about you. He said, you know, this bad thing you're calling me about. I said, yeah. He said, I got good news. uh, It's not all about you. Right? But when we see ourselves as the, as the center of everything, then we're going to go up and down based on whatever's going on in our life or how we feel like we're performing, and that means our, our, our significance will always be under attack. But in redemption, re- the Holy Spirit empowers me for the highs and the lows and for the purpose. The other one, this self-determination doesn't produce control because if you haven't figured this out yet, control is an illusion. It's an illusion. Identity and significance is limited by the chaos out of control nature of my life. Again, if my significance and my identity will rise and fall based on how in control I feel, it's going to be up and down. But with redemption, I give God control and I take the more natural position I was created for, which is follower, not leader. We were created to be followers. Now, we can be the first follower where other people follow us, follow me as I follow Christ. But the natural position we were created and crafted for was follower, not master of our domain. But we continue to be sold self. But when we buy God, here's where we start having our identity and our significance, and we find our purpose. It all flows out of who we are in Christ. When our identity is in Christ, we become more whole than we thought possible. We become more secure than we thought possible, and we live in more freedom than we thought possible. And in Christ, I will find my identity. I will live out my real purpose. Why? Because my purpose will flow out of my being. I won't have to be so concerned about how I'm doing this or doing that because it would be who I am. I will be living out who I am, not just who I wanna be. Um, So God's plan is for you to think of yourself as his son or daughter, known by him, loved by him, transformed by him and repurposed by him. Your identity impacts living out your real purpose. Our doing of purpose flows from our being of purpose. I told you at the beginning, I said, you know, how environments matter. I mean, our church environment matters. Your environment matters. And most environments, you could be even in a good environment, but maybe you've grown up in a bad environment. And what you've heard and what has resonated in you is all the negative about who you are, all the limitations of what you have, or that you'll never amount to anything. But even if you weren't involved in those negative environments, we live in a negative environment and the enemy continues to chase after in our head. He wants your identity in Christ is a main target of his. So if he can convince you of the negative you've been told or if he will create the negative inside your own mind and then amplify it, there's no chance of living out any kind of purpose. Because we're continually doing triage and first aid to our own hearts. He doesn't want you whole and healed. Because if you're not whole and healed, you're always paying attention to how you can become whole and how you will be healed. And yet, in redemption, we're whole and healed, we're made right in Christ. That God sees us through the image, through the cross of Christ. So even in all of our stuff, what he sees is us through the cross, which means we are redeemed. It doesn't, redemption doesn't mean that I'm perfect, but it does mean that I'm whole. I'm not walking around broken anymore, even though stuff breaks. It is a very difficult concept to wrap your brain around, but if you have received Jesus Christ as your savior, you are whole in him. And that's the only person that matters to be whole in. He's the last guy. And he's saying, you're whole. I've received you. I've accepted you. If you have repented to me, I've changed, am changing, and will continue to change you. I will make you whole. I will make you more whole. And I will continue to make you whole. This is the process of walking with Christ. And so when my identity is in him and everything else screams against that Truth I just said, you know, no, no, that's not true. That might be how I look to you, but that's not how I look to him. And so I'm going to live and operate in my identity and I'm significant in him. And this is how then our doing part of the purpose will flow out of our being part of the purpose. And being is ongoing process, folks. Becoming like Christ is an ongoing process. And doing my purpose is always going to be an ongoing process. These things, I wish that we could check a box and just say next, turn a page, move on. That's been solved. But I'll tell you with my own brokenness and my own weaknesses, I can tell you that it's been solved. He's continuing to solve them. And there will be one day that I won't struggle with that anymore. But I'm different than I was five years ago, five months ago, five weeks ago, five days ago. If I continue to stay connected to the vine, if I continue to keep this living, ongoing, fresh relationship with Christ Shaped in community. So let's talk about the doing. Um, Doing is a movement word. Don't you love it when I say movement? Doing is a movement word. God created mankind to be and to do. Um, Adam and Eve was given a purpose before they were ever given duties. They were given a purpose. That purpose came with things to do, but they were given a purpose. We are given a purpose Purposes flow out of being and then we do what flows out of our purpose. But what do they do? They believe the lie. They believe that, that, that God didn't have their best interests at heart. That they, in fact, would do better living making their own choices and their own decisions and not his. And that's where all this stuff gets started. They believed in themselves over God. So what happens after that sin? The rest of the gospel story is all about how we get to Jesus. And so everybody listed in Scripture, every narrative in the Old Testament is about this establishment of a people called Israel in which the Messiah would come from him. So every story that is told, every person's name that you read, every weird encounter, right? I mean, if you've read through the Bible and you've read through the Old Testament, you have sores from your scratching of your head. What? How? Huh? You know, because it's all through there, and yet every story, every narrative, whatever we understand its connection or not, all lead to a point of the coming of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Redemption. And then the rest of the New Testament points the same way. Old Testament points towards Christ. The New Testament points back to Christ and to our future with the Father in heaven. This is who this man was. This is what he said. This is how you apply it to your life. This is who you lean into in these circumstances. That's the rest of the New Testament. Every single person named, every story told, all leading people to Jesus. So now, where is our name? Now it's a trend. Some people are naming people out—you know—you're naming kids out of the Bible stories, and that looks fine, you know, with David and Moses and Sarah. But I'm—I'm I'm coming across some very unique names these days out of Scripture, right? But my, you can't find Charles. Charles ain't there. But just because my name isn't here, does that mean my name is not in this gospel story? Ah. Uh-uh. Because there was an amen in Revelation. You know, that's the last word. If you ever want to know this in a trivia contest, what's the last word of the Bible? It's amen. It is. And it means so be it. But it doesn't mean it was the end. Because you and I continue this telling of this story, which is our purpose. Our purpose is the same purpose as everyone that's ever been listed in here. Of how how do we get to Christ in a manner in which people will follow me to Christ? That's... That's the Bible. And just because we live post when it was written doesn't mean that we aren't also listed in there in this same purpose. I had a, I had a friend, long-term friend, college buddy in my wedding. Um, and he, now he's in ministry. He wasn't at the time. But his father-in-law had pastored a small church his whole life and he had passed away. And my friend was asked to do the funeral, to preach the funeral, right? How many times have I told you that you preach your own funeral, right? And so he's calling me and saying, Charlie, I've never done a funeral before. Can you help me go through this funeral? I said, man, absolutely, I'll, I'll help you. I, I, knew he's, I knew his father-in-law. And he said, I just don't know what to say. I don't know how to say I said, Richie, it's really, really easy. And it, his father-in-law's name was Ron. He said, well, what do I do? I said, you tell the gospel of Ron. That's what you do. Ron Carver's preached his own funeral, Richie. So you tell the gospel of Ron. Ron had a life history of telling who Jesus was. I said, when we do a funeral, we're telling the story of the person. And this person tells their own story. And so wouldn't it be awesome that at whatever day is our last day, someone got up to tell the story of Charlie, the gospel of Charlie the gospel will reign. That's our purpose. That our purpose reads like a gospel. I'll take the stillness in the room that you agree with me. So, the New Testament writer, like Paul, makes strong statements around around this idea of purpose. So here's 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 5 out of the Amplified. And I understand the context. The context is a disciple or a mentor having conversations with his disciple, his mentee. Okay? So I understand that is is the original context of this passage. And yet, since we have it recorded, it means it continues on to us. Right? You with me? All right. So here it goes out of the Amplified. Paul talking to Timothy. This is Charlie talking to you. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge, of the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word as an official messenger. Be ready when the time is right and even when it's not. Keep your sense of urgency. Man, that one right there just should be all bolded. When we lose our sense of urgency of where we are, and what we're walking through in terms of the light of eternity, we we will dumb down our purpose. Whether the opportunity seems favorable or unfavorable, whether convenient or inconvenient, whether welcome or unwelcome, correct those who err in doctrine or behavior, warn those who sin, exhort and encourage those who are growing towards spiritual maturity with inexhaustible patience and faithful teaching. So we have an encouraging element of this and we have a warning element of this. For the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine and accurate instruction that challenges them with God's truth. And if you think that we're the first generation to get there, I think every generation before me would have said the same thing. But we still there. But wanting to have their ears tickled with something pleasing... They will accumulate for themselves many teachers, one after another, chosen to satisfy their own desires and to support the errors they hold, and will turn their ears away from the truth and will wander off into myths and man-made fictions, and will accept the unacceptable. We definitely there. But as for you, be clear-headed in every situation. Stay calm, cool, and steady. Endure every hardship without flinching. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill the duties of your ministry. That's, that's just pretty good bullet points right there, aren't they? My real purpose is to live out and to live out my purpose, which is to become a person of spiritual influence and then to develop people of spiritual influence. But our doing will always flow out of our being. When we pay attention to our being, our doing comes out naturally. So our real purpose will come out naturally if we still have eyes to see the people that are around us. This was Paul's approach to doing real purpose. We find this in Corinthians. I'm gonna read this one out of the message. Paul said, even though I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people. Religious, non-religious, meticulous moralists, loose living immoralists, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever. I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ. But I entered their world and I tried to experience things from their point of view. I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. I did all of this because of the message. I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. How good of that? How good is that translation? So in my fashion, here are three purpose-doing processes. Someone told me recently, you make me think and then you tell me what to do. It's a perfect combination. (laughs) First is to be present in service. To be present in service. If you can touch them, you can reach them. If you can touch them, you can serve them. If you can't touch them, you can't serve them. If you can't touch them, you can't reach them. Be present where you are. Be present, be aware. If God has given us a purpose, he's equipped us for the purpose and he's filled us with with the spirit to empower us for purpose, then we should be living our lives with our eyes up looking for the purpose, right? If this is who I am, my identity in Christ, my significance in Christ, so I'm steady, I'm whole, and my eyes are up because God has given me a purpose, where is he directing it? See, each of us have the same purpose We just don't serve it in the same arenas. We each have the same purpose. We just don't share the same arenas. And let me just draw attention to our arena here at church. Being present with us today, there are plenty of places in which to serve God, serve the kingdom by serving the people in the body and any guest that shows up on a given day. We have great teams across the whole board of uh, of the broad nature of Gateway Church. They're just not deep. Do you you understand the difference? Depth, depth is what allows you to go longer and harder and do more. Good across the board allows you to sprint really well. But you can fade when things are hard or long. We have a great first-level team. But this team needs to be deeper. And so if you're like, well, I, I don't know where to live out my purpose. I don't know what to show up. Well, can, can I just think that this, is an, this is an easy first place, right? And so from tech to kids, like, well, okay, pastor, why are we having one service on a Labor Day weekend? I said, because attendance would be down. No, I don't, I don't think that's the case. It's because there's teams that have difficulty filling up every slot necessary for a Sunday on a holiday weekend. So what does that speak to? It speaks to depth. It doesn't speak to quality. It speaks to depth. That there is more. Now, you know, I've had people tell me this for years and years. Pastor, I show up and everything's done so well. Everything looks so good. I said, yeah, because there's a lot of good people doing that. And yet there are still plenty of places to be present and serve. Second, so be present. Second is to be consistent in Christ. I love when he says, I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearing in Christ. So good, right? So look, toning down, toning down our, our, our Christianity in terms of to, to, toning down what Christ has done in our life, toning down our opinions and perspectives biblically on certain things, toning down is not the answer nor, in my opinion, ramping up. My perspective is consistency. Am I the person you saw yesterday? Am I the person you will see tomorrow? Consistency, consistency to me is, is, should be the currency of our current culture. Not who can be the loudest, but who's going to be consistent. That you're going to get the same message from me now, as you will tomorrow, and I'm not going to raise my voice. Now, I understand some things need voices raised, I, 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 but there are other places that create those environments, and right, wrong, or indifferent, the, one, the environment I try to create is consistency. I am who I am. You're going to get me this week, and I'm going to look the same and sound the same as next week. Some people call that boring. I call that consistent. All right. And when we're involved in people's lives, it's the consistency of you in their life is what will change them. That when you're under the biggest pressure, you're the same person. When you have the biggest win, you're the same person. The biggest pressure, I'm depending on Christ. My biggest win, thank you, Jesus. Right, there's avoidance of self and a deference to God the Father. So I gotta be present in service I need to be consistent, consistent in Christ. I love when he says, I, I, you know, we, we got uh, Jesus prays for his disciples. He says, be in the world, not of the world. What he's saying is here, we're gonna get messy. We're gonna, be, we're, gonna in, we're gonna be in this world. It's gonna get messy. That's why he washed the disciples' feet and he didn't baptize them again. Whole nother sermon, but it's pretty cool that, that we, when we walk around in this world, we get dirty. We get dirty. And the, and the foot washing that he displayed in that leadership thing was the cleansing of their feet because they had gotten dirty in the walking, but not because they had lost their heart in Christ. Interesting. It's okay to be in the presence of all this if you don't get sucked into it. You can't get sucked into, right? Paul doesn't get changed, he doesn't get sucked into it. He said, but he kept his bearings. How do you keep your bearings if your environment's in with people that so desperately need you and those things are pulling at you? Fresh in Christ, staying fresh, being accountable with friendships, relationships in the church. Here's the third one. Come on up team. Present in service, consistent in Christ, bold in movement. Bold in movement. I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. And for this, I'll go back to Paul's admonition in Timothy. But as for you, be clear-headed in every situation. Stay calm and cool and steady. Endure every hardship without flinching. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill the duties of your ministry. Those are bold responses. Um, I know... I mean, I've, I've seen t- spiritual gift studies that say that only 10% of a local body will have the spiritual gift of evangelism. So first of all, let's talk about, let's talk about evangelism. And evangelists, you know, companies have evangelists now. These are corporate titles, Some evangelists. What does it mean? It means I drank the Kool-Aid really is what that means, right? It's, it's I believe in this place so much so that I, you're gonna hear me talk about it, you know, what we're doing and how we're doing and I'm just gonna make everybody a believer in what we're doing. I'm an evangelist for this product, for this company, for this process, whatever. I'm an evangelist. Gosh, you can't hardly scroll through your Facebook page and you'll see evangelists hawking everything, right? So an evangelist is someone who believes in enough and, and what's going on that they want other people to, to be uh, in touch with it. So my question is, why aren't we all evangelists? If you understand, because unfortunately, the, the, my encounter with evangelism growing up was that you pray, you pray the prayer with the person and they repent and that's evangelism. And so many other things took place before that person ever prayed to receive Christ. And everybody engaged in their life from start to finish were evangelists they were living out their purpose in that moment and they were bold enough that when God opened a the door, they weren't concerned about what the person would think of them. They were concerned of what the person was gonna think of Jesus and, and was gonna let that person make the decision and they weren't going to predetermine because of holding anything of that back. But they were gonna serve them as they were serving Christ. And in that service it would speak volumes to why that happens. But I contend it's not good enough just to pray for someone when you leave. Tell them you're gonna pray for them because when something happens, they can connect what happened to the prayer to Christ. So I know I'm a big advocate on this purpose thing and this purpose thing about how we how we lead other people to Jesus. Just hear me understand that that every, we all play a role in this. And that's why I call it spiritual influence. Has my, has my encounter with someone, has it, changed? has it changed their direction? Does it have the potential to change their direction? My experience in my life is I wouldn't have drawn my life up the way it, the way it played out. If, if you would have asked me early on, I would not have drawn it up this way. And at the same time, Gene and I have this conversation so often. We can't imagine a better life than what we have right now. We just, we would have never dreamed that this was it. But in that dream, we can't imagine anything better. And you can multiply multiply that by the hundreds of families in this room today. that when we stay freshly connected to God and we keep people of God around us to help shape us and shape them, and we have our eyes up and realize that we have a purpose. Our purpose is to tell the story, to live the story, tell the story. That's how, why everybody's in this room today, whether you are a follower of Christ or you're just trying to explore whether or not he's real, you're here because somebody at somewhere told you, and when you're lost, that you could find yourself in this and you're trying to figure out if that's true or not. But you're either at that place or you've already figured out it's true. And if so, the enemy is always gonna be after our identity and your identity is always gonna be sold to you as take care of self, take care of self, take care of self take care of self, what you're chasing, you'll get it. If you take care of self, if you take care of self, God doesn't have a good enough plan for you. You have a better plan. Do it your way. Make sure the plan's your way, your way, your way. You can dabble in this stuff over here to make you feel good, but you, you keep, you keep pace on your plan. And I'm just telling you, you will never end up where you want to end up. Never. But boy, you take your, you take your future out of your hands and put it in God's hands and goodness gracious can he do stuff you would never even thought of that's how that's why all this stuff links together for me and the reason why you preach a series on core is this is where we're going this is what I want for you and so then the decision is Was well, this what you want for yourself and if this is what you want for yourself then this is your place sounds simple to me and the, the, the more we pull our energies, our talents, our treasures together, the more impact we have. But we're out doing our own stuff. It gets fragmented. We don't, we don't make enough. We don't make the kind of progress we can make together getting this done. So I've talked long enough today. Don't really have a landing place for this message um, other than this is... Um, this has been my heart poured out in four weeks of the last 16 and a half years of Gateway. And we want you in this story. We want you to continue in this story. Some of you who tracked with us a long time in this story. Those of you who are newer to us, this is where we're tracking. And if this resonated with your heart, I'd say this is your environment and these are your people. And we we'll to take care of one another as we go. And then just, just be prepared because spiritually influential people attract people. And I'll tell you, healthy environments keep people. And I am just bent on trying my best to make this the healthiest place there is. As best as I can. And that means people stay. (laughs) And that means we got to park on the grass. Right? It means we have to do a rotation in nursery. Come on, somebody. It means we have to learn how to work something in the back of the room. It means we need somebody in the parking lot saying hi and good morning before they walk 60 yards before they get in the building, right? I mean, all these things matter to people who are looking to find out, is God real? Is this true? Is this thing right? We tell the gospel. We do. We tell the gospel. And there's a place for you to tell the story. Here and all the other circles you live in, Become, do. Become, do. They're a simultaneous process. You can't do. Any doing out of becoming is out of your own strength. Any being and not doing, you become stagnant. So Father, we're grateful for our time together today. We're grateful for your word and the direction that it gives. Your spirit, the power that he gives. And the Father. The love and acceptance that he gives. That relationship of Trinity. We'll never understand it all. It's staggering what we do. Father, I pray for the person in the room that feels alone today. Lord, that you would help them find their place and their people. I pray for the person who feels lost, that they don't have anything to give, that they'll find their place and their purpose. Lord, help us cast a big tent to receive people where they are and walk them along the path we're walking. Create us to be the most spiritually influential place in people on the planet. It's my prayer. We hope you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. Again, to learn more about Gateway Franklin Church, find us online at gatewayfranklin.com. Thanks for joining us today.